Hey, Keystoners. Welcome back to Keystone State of Mind. It's me, Steph, your tour guide to the dark side of Pennsylvania. Wow, it feels like it's been forever since I recorded. I almost forgot how, but I guess it's just like riding a bike, right? So let me just explain a little bit about my erratic recording schedule lately. This past week, I did have some issues with my audio software, and that took a little while to get squared away. But even beyond that, I'm finding that it's becoming a lot more difficult to record as the weather gets warmer. One, because I want to be outside, and also because I do not have a soundproof recording booth. So when my neighbors are mowing their lawn or working on their four-wheeler, or if it's raining really hard or it's a thunderstorm, I can't record because it's just too loud and there'll be too much background noise. So there has been a lot of days where I'll sit down to start to record and then in rolls a thunderstorm or my neighbor starts mowing their grass. And I just wanted to let you know why I may not be able to stick to a really good schedule right now. Before I get into any shout outs or announcements this week, I just want to take a minute to acknowledge the turmoil and unrest that's going on in our country. I mainly want to send my love to everyone that has been affected by the murder of George Floyd. I also want to say that I stand in solidarity with the Black community and really with any community that is marginalized or persecuted. I also want to show my support to the protesters and as well to the small business owners that have lost their buildings and all of their products with the looting and the rioting. I want to send a virtual hug to anyone that has lost a loved one to the rioting or has been injured in some way. I know there's a lot of turmoil right now and there's a lot of justified anger, but I wanna do my best to send love and positivity just in case it might help a little bit. I have a big shout out this week to Keystoneer Kathy. Kathy reached out on the Keystone State of Mind Facebook page with some really great constructive criticism. And this was actually my first pronunciation correction. So I was actually really excited about it for some reason. But Kathy is from Lancaster. And she let me know that during the Jonathan Luna episode, I pronounced it Lancaster. And that is something that makes the locals cringe. So thank you so much, Kathy. And I will do my best to remember to say Lancaster from now on. This week, I am calling out to my Keystoners in the Big Apple. I want to hear from my listeners in Manhattan. I know I have quite a few, so I want to hear from you guys. I live in the tiniest town. I, it is nowhere near a city, 
I would have to drive many miles to get to even a small city. So I would love to hear what life is like living in Manhattan. I have been there a handful of times, but I couldn't imagine living there. So reach out to me, my New Yorker Keystoners. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because I actually have two stories to tell you. We are talking about two of Pennsylvania's most well-known urban legends. And as with most urban legends, they are based on some semblance of truth. So first, I'm going to tell you the legend, the ghost story, if you will. And then I will talk about the truth that it's actually based on. And these two stories are both very interesting and pretty cool. So I'm actually really excited about today's show. Of course, there's just one more thing I have to do before I get into today's stories. I have to get into a Keystone State of Mind. As always, I'll be enjoying an ice cold can of Keystone Light. Bottoms up. If you ever find yourself in Chad's Ford, Pennsylvania, which is just over the border from Delaware, you'd be best advised to stay away from Kosar Road. This road has such an evil energy that it's become known as the Devil's Road. This long, narrow road of dirt and gravel leads up to a giant mansion. Legend holds that a family of Satanists have lived in this mansion for generations. This has become known as the cult house. As you're traveling up the Devil's Road, the closer you get to the cult house, the more strange phenomena occurs natural phenomena. The trees actually grow in a way that they bend away from the road. These trees have not been cut and they grow unnaturally, almost as if the road itself is so evil that the trees are trying to escape from it. The cult of Satanists are said to never come out of their home during the day. They are so reclusive and secretive that they actually have armed guards around the property. Any brave souls who dare to get close to the cult house are chased away by armed men in black SUVs. There are no trespassing signs and fences all around the property warning everyone to stay away. As the family of Satanists continues to grow, but no newcomers are allowed in, locals believe that the family practices incest to grow their cult. And when babies are born deformed from generations of incest, 
they kill these babies and bury them under one specific tree that has now become the skull tree. Legend holds that this tree trunk has grown to resemble a baby's skull. Visitors to the Devil's Road report hearing eerie sounds and seeing flashes of light. They've found piles of animal corpses and nooses hanging in trees. Those who have been there vow never to go back again. So that was the legend of the Devil's Road in Chad's Ford, Pennsylvania. And as promised, there is some truth to this story. First, the trees really do grow away from the road. I have pictures and I will share them. They don't grow towards the sun like a natural growth. They curve in a super creepy way away from the road. I don't know what kind of trees they are, but they all do it. Um, the road itself is actually Cosart Road. And I was looking at more recent pictures of this road on Google Earth, Google Street View. And like, I looked up some homes for sale, some properties for sale on Cosart Road. And it's not super narrow and it's not at all creepy. And these homes are gorgeous and sell for a pretty penny. I kind of wonder if the Devil's Road was maybe like the driveway up to the cult house, the big mansion, because the pictures that I have of the road where the trees are growing away from it, it does look like a narrow dirt road, but the pictures that are more recent in front of these homes, it just looks like a normal street. I also found a picture of the skull tree. And to me, the tree trunk looks nothing like a child's skull. Actually, if I had to say that it looked like some kind of body part, I'd say it looks like a vagina. But maybe that's because my brain works like a 12-year-old boy sometimes. I don't know. As far as the incestuous satanic cult, uh, the only thing that even remotely comes close to truth in that is that the house was owned at one time by a branch of the DuPont family. And here's a little bit about the DuPonts. They have been one of the most wealthy families in America for over two centuries. The patriarch E.I. DuPont came to America from France in 1799, and he founded a company that made gunpowder, the DuPont Company. This business is still flourishing to this day. However, they do not make gunpowder anymore. They make paints and plastics, dyes, chemical-based items. And there's actually a DuPont factory very near where I live in Tawanda, Pennsylvania, it's really close to where I work. Uh, the DuPont family no longer owns this company. Uh, I think Dow Chemical actually bought it, but they are still a very wealthy family to this day. 
DuPont scientist actually invented nylon, uh, Kevlar, as in like Kevlar vests, like uh, bulletproof vests, and Teflon, the stuff that makes your food not stick to your pans when you cook. So DuPont has really made some excellent strides as a company in the U.S., However, it is not a well-kept secret that the DuPonts have, for many generations in the past, arranged marriages in the family, within the family, to keep their fortune to themselves. So it was very common for DuPont children to marry other DuPont children, like first and second cousins. So I think that's where the myth of the incestuous nature comes from. No one has ever accused anyone in the DuPont family of being a Satanist or having any kind of cult-like behavior. The DuPont name, though, has been involved in some scandal. In 1996, John DuPont murdered Olympic gold medal wrestler David Schultz. John DuPont was a wrestling coach, and David Schultz was actually his good friend. But John DuPont kind of went off the deep end, I think, and killed this guy. I don't know a ton of details about that story, but I will at some point because this actually happened in Pennsylvania. So this will be a topic of an upcoming episode. As far as the strange sounds and lights and the dead animals and the nooses and the trees, I think this is just legend. But I do have a quote from a man that only would identify himself as William. This comes from an article on Mix995WJBR.com. And this is William's story of what he encountered on the Devil's Road. There was a light waving around and shining on the trees, but it was far away. I stopped my car and looked into the woods, and as soon as I stopped, it went off. A few seconds later, it started back up, and it would shine just like SOS. Three short, three long, and three short again. I had no service this whole time either. I was pretty freaked out, so I started driving very slowly, and as soon as I started to pull off, I saw a huge flame shoot up in the trees and heard a shrieking scream. I don't know exactly what I saw, but to me, I think they were literally lighting someone on fire. I drove right home. So that's one man's account of what he saw on the Devil's Road. Now, I do think that they may get chased away sometimes because the residents of Cosart Road are really annoyed at all these looky-loos trying to come and find out what's going on around there, which is actually probably nothing. There is at least one influential person who at least buys some of this legend, and that is M. Night Shyamalan. He actually shot his movie the village in and around the Devil's Road in Chadsford, Pennsylvania. Surprise, surprise, I've never seen this movie, so I don't know what it's about or anything about it, really. But if you've seen it, 
Then you've seen The Devil's Road. So that was kind of creepy. But are you ready for the next urban legend? This is the story of the Green Man of Pennsylvania, better known to locals as Charlie No-Face. In the 1950s and 60s, teenagers from Beaver County, Pennsylvania, which is near the border of Ohio, traded stories of the Green Man. He was a ghost, a boogeyman, that haunted a stretch of Route 351 near the old Harmony Trolley Bridge. Motorists that were familiar with the legend of the Green Man would travel as fast as possible through this stretch of road because if they ran into trouble and had to stop, the green man would appear and disable their vehicle so they couldn't get away. The phantom glowed green from an industrial accident that occurred when he was alive. His face was burned completely off. He had no eyes, no nose, no ears, no mouth. He was a terrifying sight to see. In order to get the green man to let you flee, you had to offer him a pack of Lucky Strike cigarettes and a six pack of beer. As the legend grew, adventurous teenagers would head to the Harmony Trolley Bridge with cigarettes and beer to offer the phantom in hopes that he would come out and show himself. And on almost every occasion, the green man would appear. Legend holds that those who encountered the green man with the proper offering were spared, but those that did not have beer and cigarettes for the phantom would never be seen again. So that ghost story was a little bit shorter, but the truth behind it is wild and very interesting. The Green Man of Pennsylvania, Charlie No-Face, was a real person. His name was Raymond Robinson. Ray Robinson was born October 29, 1910, in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. His father, Robert Robinson, died in 1917 when Ray was seven years old. Modern sources say that his mother's name was Louise, but I actually did find some articles from 1919 that say her name was either Anna or Mamie. So, I don't know. His mom was either Louise, Anna, or Mamie. Not terribly important to the story. His mother, whatever her name was, married her brother-in-law, so Robert's brother, after Robert died, and between them, they had at least seven children, including Raymond. 
There's not much known about Raymond's childhood up until the spring of 1919. It was getting dark on June 18th, 1919, and Ray and four of his friends were walking along the Harmony Line Trolley Bridge. They noticed a bird's nest up on the pole that held the lines. And Raymond dared his friends to go look in the bird's nest and see if there was any eggs in there. None of the other boys would take the dare. So Raymond himself climbed up there to get a look. He came in contact with the trolley lines that were carrying 25,000 volts of electricity and was thrown to the ground, horribly burned. His friends ran for help and he was rushed to Providence Hospital in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. He was given very little chance of survival. As a matter of fact, one newspaper headline read, Murado Lad, eight, shocked by live wire, will die. Quick note, Murado is a neighborhood in Beaver Falls. Let's just think about that for a second. Imagine some kid today had some horrible accident and the newspaper just predicts that he's going to die. Yep, he will die. Don't worry. The newspaper said so. I just found that to be a horrible headline. Why would you say that as a newspaper editor? What if his mom read that? Which I'm sure she probably did. It's 1919. Where else are you getting your fucking information? In a different article that ran the day after the accident, so June 19th, 1919, in the Daily Times of Beaver Falls, they discussed that this type of accident had happened a year before to a different boy that was 10 years old, and he actually did die. So I guess maybe they had a little historical precedent to go on, but come on, you don't say that shit, seriously. Against all odds, eight-year-old Ray Robinson did survive. He was in the hospital for months. As a matter of fact, that same newspaper, the Daily Times, reported on Ray's progress in August of that year, calling him a medical marvel. Ray's injuries were horrific, though. His face literally was melted off, just like the legend says. His eyes were gone. His nose was gone, just leaving a hole where it had been. His ears were gone. His mouth was intact, though. He obviously was blind because his eyes were gone, but he was still able to hear and talk. He also lost his right arm. Ray never did go back to school, so he only had a first grade education, but he lived quite a long life. And as he got older and really craved a little more independence, he began going out at night after dark and just walking around the country roads near his home. 
He used a walking stick to help guide himself, and his trick was to keep one foot on the pavement and one foot on the shoulder in the gravel to keep him along the edge of the road. Obviously, because he's blind and he's needs to stay on a certain path. He only went out at night because his appearance was so horrific that he didn't want to scare people. And I have pictures of Ray Robinson, Charlie No-Face, that I will share in the KSOM Keystoners Facebook group. They are very graphic, so beware before you go look at them. All of his neighbors said that he was the nicest man. He made wallets and belts out of leather for some extra money. He weaved rugs for his neighbors as gifts. And he did all this with one hand and without the ability to see. So in the 50s and 60s, when he's an older adult and he's out walking the country roads at night, just getting some exercise, teenagers really did see him and they did stop and talk to him. You know, I'm sure people were afraid of him at first, but once you got to know him, you enjoyed talking to him. And he did enjoy beer and cigarettes. These youngsters would bring him a six-pack of beer and a pack of Lucky Strikes. His parents, who were incredibly religious and completely against all alcohol, were pretty fucking pissed about this, which I think is funny. Like, dude's like 40 or 50 years old. He can have some beer. Although it did really start to cause a problem when... These kids would get him drunk and he'd end up passed out in the ditch somewhere and his family would have to go find him in the morning. He never did get hurt, thankfully. Despite his horrible injuries, Ray kept his mental faculties and his good disposition. He enjoyed people and he enjoyed talking to people. He wasn't offended when people would go out of their way to find him at night and talk to him. He actually really enjoyed it. Ray loved to listen to the radio and he kept a shortwave radio by his bed and would listen to it for hours. Ray had a great relationship with his family and his neighbors and he led a pretty content life, considering what he'd been through. Raymond Robinson died June 11th, 1985, when he was 74 years old. And it was one week before the 66th anniversary of his accident. He died in the Beaver County Geriatric Center, where he had spent the last few years of his life. He was buried in Grandview Cemetery, overlooking the site of the old Wallace Run Trolley Bridge. So that's the real story of Charlie No-Face. His family very much resented that moniker, but Ray didn't seem to mind it. He was just a chill dude that liked the occasional 
beer and sig. Whatever. I can relate. So where did the name the green man come from? Well, the best anyone can guess is that Ray always wore a green army jacket. And some speculate that he also used an ointment on his face like Vaseline as a treatment for his burns. And so maybe when people saw him, his green clothing might reflect off the ointment on his face and make him appear to be glowing green. No one can say for sure, and that may just be part of the legend. So, what'd you guys think of the Urban Legends episode? You gotta tell me, because there's a lot more urban legends in Pennsylvania that I'd like to cover if you enjoyed these stories. I'm going to title this episode Urban Legends Volume 1 so that I can keep this going here and there when I want to do a little bit of a different story. Don't forget to keep the ratings and reviews coming on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen if your podcast platform allows for that. My kitty is purring so loud and really wants to be a part of the show, so I hope you can hear him purring. His name is Bud, as in Bud Light. Not that I drink that, but that's what his name is. So hang in there, guys. I know shit's rough. The world is crazy right now. But you've always got your tour guide to lean on. Stay Keystone, my friends.